episode folks of astro radio z i hope you're having a safe and fun july the 4th independence day here we are back ready to talk about the new purge film we warned you we were going to do this this is something i don't do very often on my show is do these quick turnaround quote unquote review shows where we go out and we check out brand new movies that came out. But Mark and I decided that we were going to hold hands and go see the purge election year. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Mark, are you sad we weren't able to sit and play footsie in the theater when we went and saw this? Yeah, I, I was I was imagining you trying to put the move on me and uh, I was kind of missing that. You know, yeah. Uh, what I did have in the audience, though, was uh, the a group of individuals who any one of them were old enough to be my kid, and I felt like a chaperone to a high school field trip. Um, <laughs> I was missing you. Yes. Oh, you. Oh, that's so sweet, Mark. Did you actually have a bunch of people that showed up at your screening? We, I, yeah. Well, for uh, I went to the Thursday night uh, nine. 30 uh, 945 screening so i figured okay by myself and surprisingly we probably had about 25 people in there interesting my theater i went in appleton i had a pretty decent sized theater it was actually a really nice theater but i would say in total there was like maybe 12 people there (laughs) this is opening night well i suppose Here's something I want to ask you. When did they start making, was it this year, start making opening nights be Thursday nights? Yeah, well, they they the past year, I would say they got more popular. In 2015, they actually kind of started them because the midnight movies were kind of going away and they were able to count uh, the box office from an earlier show on Thursday now as part of their weekend. So they front load the weekend now. And that's why they do the uh, shows that are eight, you know, one or two shows at night on Thursday night now, because that budget or that box office front loads their weekend usually. Um, and, you know, they, they aren't expecting high crowds, but because those used to be midnight, my understanding for it to count towards the, uh, you know, the take for the box office for the weekend, they had to wait till 1201 Friday. And then uh, if the show showed, then the box office for that show at midnight uh, counted towards the weekend, but now they moved it back a little bit. So the eight o'clock or seven o'clock show now counts, you know, towards their uh, opening weekend take, if you will. So they actually get three nights in there because then they start bringing up the estimations by Sunday morning, of what it's going to take at the box office. So it's, it's, it's a mostly a numbers game. Yeah. It's all a swindle. That's all this is, is a swindle to get people to get back to the theaters because they're not pulling in as much numbers as they used to. Well, and you know, and it's nice for me because uh, I can't keep up with all the, the popular YouTube reviewer guys because those guys get to go to press screenings on Tuesdays 
and Wednesdays or even Mondays and Tuesdays. So they get to see the movie at least a couple days in advance. They do their review and their reviews up Wednesday morning, unless it's, you know, embargoed and then it's released Thursday morning. So before even the Thursday showing for the rest of us commoners, uh, you know, they, us peasants, us peasants. Uh, you know, it's already out there. So that's the earliest I usually can see a show is is Thursday night because uh, I live in the middle of Cowhump, Wisconsin, and and mm-hmm. we we don't get press screenings, which I'm fine with. But that but that's the way the whole game is played. They uh, they get the reviews out Thursday morning. They get some people in Thursday night, and so by Friday they've already taken in say depending on the movie a couple million or, you know, a million dollars, even for Thursday night, depending if it's a big enough movie. And so that gets that tacked on to their weekend uh, take, their opening weekend, if you will. Well, if my theater is any indication as to how the purge election year is going to do, this will be the last movie that they'll make. (laughs) Because it was a dismal screening. There was nobody there. And the funny thing is, I I get there just in time, literally had to race to the theater. I get in there, get my seat, didn't get any soda and popcorn. That's usually a big no-no for me. I have to. I got to have my Mountain Dew. Got to sit down, get get the up. Now you have to pick out your seats, Mm -hmm. So which is which is kind of weird. But I could have just sat anywhere. It didn't really matter. So I sit down. The previews are going and all of the previews looked horrible. (laughs) Every last one of them. I don't know which ones you got, but there was what was there? There was that lights out movie that they they turned that short, that really cute little short with uh, the lady in the bed who was turning out the lights and then the monster appears right next to her face. That that short now got stretched into a two hour movie by James Wan. You mean you? Oh, you mean you mean jump scare the light switch? Oh, <laughs> that's God. all that's that's all that's going to be is is jump scare. <laughs> that fucking trailer is atrocious, and it, they're trying to sell it like oh, the most innovative horror film you'll ever see. Blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, oh, this looks awful, 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 uh, and all the rest of the trailers were just weak as hell. But that's not the point of what I wanted to start talking about. I sit down and then all of a sudden, and this was weird to me because this took me back to when I tried to do this way back in the eighties, two young kids walk into the theater, walk up. And these, these boys, I I wouldn't guess they were any more than 12, 13 years old, Mm. walk up, sit like three or four seats down from me. Not more than 30 seconds later, an usher comes up and says, hey, can I see your guys tickets? And, the, and one of them's like, uh, 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 should we go to another movie? And then the other one's like, uh, I threw mine away. And she's like, um, OK, well, how did you get in here? Oh, uh, oh, my parents brought us in here. Um, well, can I see your ticket? Oh, I threw it away. And then to the other one, well, can I see your ticket? I also threw it away. And immediately she didn't even have to say anything he goes oh should we go to another movie it's like man you didn't even try and sell this thing you didn't even try so so and and the, the, the usher goes yeah i think you should 
And the boys didn't even fight it. They got up and they walked out. (laughs) It took me back to the time I tried to sneak into Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and got kicked out immediately. And uh, it was, it really, like, it took me back in time to see this happen now as a geezer, seeing young kids get kicked out of a horror movie. (laughs) It was hilarious. Oh, so that's, uh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, think, that's my pre-movie banter. Well, I think for me, uh, the audience, there were two girls sitting uh, in the row behind me. And I think they had a friend who was 18 who got them in because <laughs> these two girls were not uh, 18. Uh, and I was wondering how the hell they got in the movie theater. But then they had a buddy who was sitting a couple rows back. So. Um, I'm like, ah, okay, that's how they did that. So, so mm. you, just, you get an older friend to get you in. Well, I'm surprised they would even allow the kids to get into these purge movies because these purge movies are ultra violent. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really surprised. But here we are. We're going to talk about the purge election year. And um, I think what we're going to do is this this is a brand new movie. So, I will feel slightly self-conscious if we completely spoil this and not warn you guys that we're probably going to get into some of the finer details of this film. So I think like in the beginning here, we're just going to kind of generally talk about it. But then at one point, I'm just going to say, hey, you guys, if you want to go see this film, move forward in the podcast, because after we're done talking, we're going to do our normal picks of the week at the end. Um, so maybe in the show notes, I'll tell you when to skip to or whatever, but, uh, I think for right now, let's go ahead and just give a plot synopsis and just generally talk about, uh, the film itself. Mark, do you want to kind of give a breakdown of what this third purge movie is? Ooh, I, uh, I, I think I could try. Sure. I don't have my Ibim up, but uh, it is kind of a busy movie. So it's, it's a busy movie, but Basically, uh, we've moved ahead in time from the uh, second one and far from the first one. It's actually the 20th anniversary of The Purge and the new founding fathers have this in full swing. And they are actually being challenged by a senator whose family had been wiped out from The Purge. And this is in the trailer, so this isn't uh, really any spoilers, folks. Uh, And that what's motivated her to try to run for president so she can try to eliminate the purge. And well, the purge night uh, comes around and she uh, hangs on to the protection of her uh, security force to help try to keep her from getting assassinated on purge night. And well, things go awry, there's betrayal. And our, our man from the second one, Frank Grillo, it happens to be the head of her security. And we see how he basically escorts her uh, with the help of a few of the uh, locals who have a uh, who hang out at a, a cafe as well to get across D.C. during the purge, try to keep her alive uh, in time for the election. And so we see how those events unfold, as well as uh, mysteries uncovered. And we learn even more about our founding fathers, the new founding fathers in the film. I think of all of these films there was uh, there was a pretty overt uh, undertone and message that was running through all of these. The subtext in this film is right in your face. They are no longer hiding what's going on because here we are 
the purge election year. This is directly speaking to what is going on in the political climate right now. And um, I think that works in this film's favor, but I also think that uh, some of the subtlety is gone from this film in general. I think this film of the three is probably the weakest of, of the series um, more because tonally it's all over the place. It's a little more heavy handed in what it's trying to say. Um, But there are still those elements of dread and tension and, it's still a decent time. I think if you liked the other Purge movies, you're going to get into this one, but don't expect <laughs> Purge Anarchy over again. Um, in general, what did you think of this one, Mark? Uh, well, I loved it. I actually uh, enjoyed the story quite a bit. The uh, exploration more into the the you know the new founding fathers and that we actually get to see them kind of in action and behind the scenes and so I, I enjoyed that quite a bit and it, it was better than expected because I almost thought it was going I almost thought it was going to be a repeat of anarchy you know it, from the trailers you look at it in some know, aspects it was and in some aspects it, it you do have some history repeating itself but I liked how it was uh, a number of years from the second one you know so we have some time also how uh things have changed as well for uh the the environments and the neighborhoods because it the purge by now has gone on for 20 years and i liked it because it, it felt like you know society is, is is turning going you know maybe this really wasn't such a good idea <laughs> you know because you see less you actually see less people out uh, purging in this one uh, than you did in the other, you know, in in Anarchy, where it was uh, was a lot more people on the streets, and in this one, it's it seemed like more select groups now, and more and more people were kind of hiding out rather than participating in the purge, and so I I, I liked that bit. Uh, overall, I thought it was a solid story. I liked the characters in here. It was heavy handed. I, I will say the message message in here is quite clear and it is no coincidence that this was released this year. Uh, but I, that kind of had the appeal to me on it because I, I thought it was kind of a ballsy move in all honesty for a wide release film like this to just really be so politically uh, messagey and I guess for lack of a better term, uh, you know, maybe overt. I dug it a lot. Uh, I think for story-wise, you get a, the most narrative in this oh, one. very much so. Yeah, you very know, much so. You really get a narrative in this one that's, uh, and it's meant to be. It's like he was building up to this. So, yeah, overall, I, I enjoy it. I still like Anarchy a little better than this one, but I thought this was still a solid film, especially if you enjoy this series. And I like how each one of these films, while they are similar, are also different. And you could almost watch any one of these and not really be too lost on everything. No, because they sum up every yeah, they sum up everything fairly well. I mean, all you need is the basic idea of what's going on. And this third film, I think some of the interesting things they tried to do um, to kind of world build a little bit more because this was taking place in an election year. The the main character played by Elizabeth Mitchell, um, who's Senator Rowan, 
she is ruffling so many feathers because she wants her stance and her uh, political platform for the presidency is eliminating the purge because of her history. And she's starting to gain support of the people, the new founding fathers, which are pretty much the governing property of the United States now, because it's not necessarily a president. It's almost like a board of directors that are heading the country. Now they decide because she's, they want to keep the purge going because the purge helps out their um, corporate interests and their money. And it gets rid of those that tax the system. Um, They want to keep this going. So they decide this purge, they're going to open it up so that there are nobody that's restricted from being killed, which means in previous purge years, government officials were excluded from being purged. Mm -hmm. So they could not be killed. You couldn't go and find political entities that you didn't like and kill them without repercussions. Now, because they want to eliminate Senator Rowan, they open it up to anybody. And this is where I think the most interesting aspect of this film comes. And each of these films kind of had a little bit to like add a little bit more to it was this idea that what if you were given the opportunity on one night a year to go and kill those in office that you don't want in office anymore to try and mold the government into what you want. What an insane idea. What did you think of that, Mark? Yeah, I, when they did that, well, for one, if anyone ever watches a horror film, you know immediately if you remove the fail safe, it's going to usually come around and bite that person's in the ass, especially if it's the bad guy. But in this one, I, I loved, I, I loved how they explored that idea. I was like, okay, here we go. And then they added that little extra element. Um, I saw someone describe uh, this horror series, especially the first one as kind of a high concept horror film. And yeah. it, it is actually, I mean, you, you've got your exploitation elements in there, especially when you get into anarchy and into this one, uh, you had it in the first one as well, but here on a, on a larger scope, but while, while it's got that exploitation and ultra violence going on, there's a subversive tone and, and some high concepts in here that I think what appeals to me for this whole series and they carried it through here was you're looking at this going, ghetto, we are only a few breaths away from something like this, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you could see these individuals going, we could use the purge to take out our enemies rather than wait till election day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can have whoever we want go by basic form of elimination. I mean, you just, Oh, I don't like so-and-so. Well, let's go off them. They're no longer in the running for any of this. And I thought that was interesting. And some of the other aspects that were really interesting is that by this point now, the purge has been around for 20 years. It's an institution and it's been corporatized to the point where people sell masks um, for people in like almost like Halloween stores. There's a scene where a guy's at a Halloween store trying to get people in to buy masks because he exclaims, the purge is Halloween for adults. Come on, come on in, get your masks. And, and 
even to the point where um, one of the, the main characters, which is this man who runs a deli uh, with some friends of his, he gets a call from an insurance agency that the insurance agency decides the day before the purge to up his purge insurance rates by thousands of dollars. So mm-hmm. now the purge not only is about getting rid of those urges, primal urges that you have um, in, in that the sinful nature and trying to expel, like expel it in one night so that the rest of the year you can go about your way and feel okay, which is a crazy idea to begin with. <laughs> but it's now to a point where the almost like um, shysters do with trends, everyone's trying to make a buck on it now. Mm-hmm. So the, the series itself is extremely intelligent about the things that it's trying to say within the confines of, like we said last time, it's very escape from New York. Mm-hmm. It's very assault on uh, pre uh, 13. It's, it's, a thriller and an action movie with horror elements in it. I think they're starting to move away from the horror elements in this series now, but under it, it, they're so they're trying to say so much and they're intelligently trying to say all this stuff. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not presenting it just as a tough toss off thing. They've thought this through, which, which in this film too, the same with the others, they continue it here to where you, you can tell they've put some thought into this world. They're not just throwing this stuff out and seeing what sticks. They've got a plan and, you know, they've got it structured that this world that they're in and they keep it within the confines, but they're still able to get their message. I mean, the, the script for a film like this is intelligent. It, it is impressive the thought that was put in and what you think initially is a series that started off just as a shtick. And now you see these uh, ideas and concepts that were hinted at in the beginning kind of come to fruition and you see where it was all leading. And yeah, I mean, I, I loved the ideas and the, the themes that they worked into here, uh, you know, even with the different representations of people, uh, uh, not to be too spoilery, though we've, we've touched a little bit. Uh, there's a specific couple of characters in here, especially the young uh, who are portrayed in here, who seem to embrace the purge more than uh, the older folks. Uh, you know, in fact, some veteran purgers, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit. Uh, you know, just this exploration that of it's been 20 years now, so you've got a whole generation who's grown up with the purge from when they were kids. And it's interesting to see how those younger folks are portrayed in here and how they approach the purge and, and conceive the purge versus the older folks who, who remember a time before it, you know? Right. And in the people that embrace the purge are mostly opportunists. It's no longer this ideal that uh, the new founding fathers had put forward where, you know, you're supposed to expel all these demons that no longer matters anymore. I think the pretense of the purge has gone away and this is just an opportunity for people to one up each other to try and, and do better for themselves by eliminating the people that bother them. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's some other elements, too. Again, I, I don't want to ruin it too much because I really 
I would love to have more people to go see films like this because we, we need films like this, even if it gets a little heavy handed in this one versus the others. And, you know, some of the dialogue may be a little cheesy. This is this is a smart horror thriller, if you will, uh, more actiony and horror uh, than horror on this this one. But it's still something that was thought out this whole world. And, you know, you've got to support that because it, it's kind of refreshing they yeah you know they they don't they don't exactly hold your hand but they don't leave you dumb either they they do give you quite a bit of elements in here but it's still yeah it, it's it's a high concept it, it is really for this type of film especially when you look at the trailers and then you watch it you're like oh this is what this movie's about you know I think that surprises a number of people. I know it has for a few of the people that I know who actually enjoy this series, which surprises me that because I didn't think they would, you know, but um, there's a number of people like that who just surprised me who really enjoy this film. I think people that like don't like being pandered to should like this series because it's made by people that are caring about creating a story and a mythos in a world. They are trying to actually say something with these films. They're not just jump scare the movie. They're Mm -hmm. intelligent. They're ultra violent. They're gritty. They don't hold back, which is nice to see in horror films. Now I think to just round this uh, initial section out so we can start breaking this down a little bit more. I think this was a good way to end the series that they elect to <laughs> pun. Um, they elect to end it here just because it wraps itself up rather nicely and it creates a nice statement at the end for the entire thing. It's very rare we see a series or any franchise nowadays that's more concerned with um, saying something and telling an actual story as opposed to building a franchise that they can make money off of. Um, so I would say if you liked the other Purge movies, go check this out. I didn't think this was the best of the films. I thought this was actually the weakest of the of the films, but it was still a damn good movie. So I would say go check it out, Mark. Oh, definitely. Uh, You've got to go support films like this so they realize they can make other films like this. Uh, Everything in that series was leading up to their final kind of message in this film. And it was refreshing to see something like that to where you do get a bookend to where they could and they should, in all honesty, keep it a trilogy. Uh, And I imagine if it does go to another film, it's not going to be the original creators at all involved in it at all. It seems like they had a plan for a trilogy and they, they executed it and executed it well. And so, yeah, if you like the other ones, see it, even if you don't, I mean, it keep seeing films and giving your money at the box office for films like this helps keep movies like the darkness from getting wide release. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, true. Well, listeners, if you want to go see this movie, skip from here on out because we're going to break it down pretty far. And it's kind of hard to really get into the nuts and bolts without spoiling a little bit of what this film is. So I'll put in the show notes the point where you can jump back on in the episode and uh, we'll just be talking about other stuff. So let's go ahead. And when we come back, we're going to break down the, the purge election year a little bit more. 
Like horror movies? So do we. Fucks his little eyeballs yep. out. Just just from the, it on out. She yeah. was great. Do you like American Horror Story? So do we. There were some butts. Yep. Killings. Yep. Butt. Yep. Killings. Butt. Yep. Killings. If it's over 90% cheek, that's your butt. You see the essence of the butt. Are you into vampires dancing in mesh tank tops? Us too. I was mesmerized by the mesh tank top and leather pants. Are you into high-minded film critique and discussion? Because we've got that. And it is beautifully filmed. Like, it really... Just the stark contrast of colors, like you said. Not your thing? How about a dick joke? His dick, dude. He put his yeah. dick in a fucking pig. Come on. We've also got one dude to give dude perspective. Zombie apocalypse is no time to have your head in the pussy clouds, Mickey. This is survival. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So head over to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen, and subscribe to The Bloodlust, your go-to podcast for classy broads and a token dude talking horror. This is a warning. Thank you. We're back, folks. Now, for those that have seen the film or those that don't give a flying fuck about hearing spoilers, <laughs> here we're at. Um, so let's go ahead, Mark, and let's get into some of the finer details of what went on in this film. Let's start out with the characters in this film. Um, one of my main gripes in this movie in particular, and I'm not going to re- reference uh, the other ones as much, is to say that I thought in general one of the weaker aspects of this film is that we finally started seeing kind of stock characters. We, there were some characters that were very well done. Like I liked uh, the crew that were in the deli. Those three characters I thought were really good. Frank, unfortunately in my mind, didn't bring, he wasn't much of a character in this film other than um, stern face shooty guy. And and to be honest, I also didn't like Elizabeth Mitchell in this film. I thought a lot of what she was given to do was really super heavy handed. It was so on the nose and her character was just that kind of super idealist to a to a fault at all times. She always wanted to do the direct opposite of what they should have done. 
just because of what she believed in. Mm. It kind of got annoying after a while, but there were some great characters, but not as strong as the last film. What did you think, Mark? I I will say that uh, Frank Grillo, as much as I loved seeing him kind of kick ass, he, he was whittled down a little more, but I think it's because we explored him more in two. And uh, these two are really... What you would you initially think, you know, are your main motivation? I think they're just really meant to bring us to the other characters who I loved. I agree. Well, first off, you've got to admit, even with Anarchy and in this one, the diversity in the cast is impressive. Yeah. Um, not only that, uh, you know, yeah, I loved I, I loved the cafe the cafe folks, you know, they even had that running joke with Leo, the, the, the cafe, the guy who ran the cafe about how uh, Frank Grillo's character, Leo wouldn't remember his name or, or call him by his name. You know, it, it was just this kind of casual thing. And I, I, I loved that bit, but I really loved how they built up those characters from the cafe. You have the, the female character who was actually an ex purger who made a name for herself and actually had a reputation of being a severe badass in the streets. And she's gotten older and she's a little reformed. And now we find out she's actually helping people by running a, a, a ambulance service, basically for people who get hurt during the purge, you know, yep. you've got, uh, you've got our cafe guy who's, who's really trying to make, the American dream. He's the guy who's really just trying to make the most of it and living, you know, the dream. He's got his own little piece of pie there, but he's kind of got an interesting past, which they hint at. Then you've got his, um, Hispanic, uh, coworker there, his employee, who's also his buddy, who's got, you know, a great background as well. And I loved how we explored them and how they revealed bits of them as it went along. And they felt, they felt real. You're right. Grillo's yeah. character and the senator felt like the more stereotypical types. And, you know, the founding fathers especially, but they were supposed to be. They, they were definitely supposed to represent uh, a modern day climate here. Uh, but the other people they ran into, especially those three, I loved those three. I would love a spinoff movie with those three because they were really interesting characters and they felt real their their portrayal was real you know um and i yeah i i those were my favorite characters out of them uh the other ones they ran across were were a little more cookie cutter than in anarchy but i still enjoyed seeing them on screen you know it it kind of fit within the context of the story Uh, but they were if you want to go by the way especially like anarchy uh, they were more um your generic or, or stereotypical characters but I think they were more meant to be because this one definitely is more messagey and meant to get its point across. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was there was much more plot going on in this one. And I think because of that, some of the characters were there just to propel the plot, which, you know, I, I think there were points where um, this film it felt like um, kind of like a mixture of the first film and the second film where there were, there were points that were very much from the first film. And then there were points that felt like direct riffs from the second film. And then in the last act, it turns into something else entirely there. The purgers this time around felt like a side note. It didn't, 
they didn't feel it, it felt like a shtick. And I think intentionally so. I think they they wanted the the purgers to almost feel like a side note. Like they really were pawns of the system at this point. So they were kind of caricatures because it almost felt like the purgers that were out there were were being manipulated in order to do this. So they were nothing more than stock people that couldn't think for themselves. So there were, there were certain times where they would just go through and you kind of just rolled your eyes at these people. Cause it's like, there's no way people all of a sudden decide that, yeah, they're going to set up a huge guillotine in the in an alleyway and start chopping people's heads off. And, 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 you know, all this really elaborate shit, where it's just like, yeah, you you guys are just like, it's kind of like like this, Mark. Imagine this. You know when you're you're in an office and some trend happens, and then all of a sudden everyone in the office goes, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this too? You know? So then all those people decide, well, let's think all year about the elaborate thing we're going to put together and then we'll do it and we'll film ourselves doing it. So we'll get lots of hits on YouTube. That's what the purgers felt like in this movie. And it, it did. But I think like you said, at this point, and I think that was on purpose because they made it a point to, to mention that it was the 20th anniversary. And, you know, one of the things that was evident to me was the purgers that were out were your more advanced or violent purgers. You didn't see nearly as many as you did in anarchy or as many that were hinted at in, you know, uh, the first purge. So I think they did that on purpose because they were leading it to the fact of a lot of people were getting tired of it. I mean, now you, you in this one, you have purge turret tourists. Yeah, I, I wanted thought, to bring that up. Which I, I loved that idea because I did too. I, I, I'm like sitting there going, I could totally see this. And you know, it, it's played at that the tourists are the more dominant purgers in these cities now than the people who live there. The people who live there have kind of got tired. Either they've been weeded out after 20 years or, as they said, you know, the numbers have dwindled probably of the people who who actually would purge, you know, and get killed. So just by population reduction. So now you've got to bring these tourists in who seem to be more dominant on the streets than people who live there. Yeah. It's, well, it, just think of this idea. Think about our climate right now where. A lot of, of political uh, positioning is about keeping immigrants and uh, outsiders out of the country. And here in this movie, because the the people in the country no longer want to participate in this thing, they import people from other countries to kill. And these people come in. Oh, I love America. I love America. We are going to purge. We're going to kill you. And they're all dressed up like, like uh, uh, ultra Americans. Like if you look at the, the posters in the artwork for this film with people that are dressed up like uh, a neon statue of Liberty and uh, you know, the guy that, that looks like uncle Sam and all that stuff. Those are actually foreigners yeah. <laughs> that come in this film and decide to kill people. I thought that was a great idea. 
Oh, that surprised me when they worked in there because, you know, and it was one of those things that it's one of those things where you watch it. It doesn't dawn on you till they portray it. And then you're just sitting there going, you know, I could see that people from, from other countries coming in to participate in the purge and them being allowed to, especially when you're, you know, your population's going, yeah, you know what? We're kind of tired of this. Uh, yeah. You know, you could definitely see Euro tour tourism, you know, and, and that's kind of hinting almost hostile influence there, you, yeah, you know, yeah. um, just a little bit. What also got me with this and I am not sure I, I it's, I got to think it was intentional. If you notice the majority of the purgers in this film who weren't tourists were female. There were a lot more female portrayal of purgers on here. Either the woman who accidentally shot her husband yeah, who, who regretted it, or you got the, the creepy ones who hung all the guys in the tree and you got those three girls dancing around in that kind of yeah. fairy tale look. But there were a lot more female purgers or the group of young girls who come uh, to our uh, deli owner, our, our, our sh convenience shop owner to get their revenge because they got busted for stealing uh, the candy bars from the restaurant. And I, I really got a kick out of those young characters because they were all ones who grew up with the purge. So this is normal. This is they're like hinting at entitlement. It's that subject of entitlement. Big time, big time. Those characters were obnoxious. They were entitled. They were annoying. And they just were opportunists where they thought, you know what? This person slighted me. They didn't let me have a candy bar that I was stealing. So I'm going to go kill them because I can. And I killed my parents because I didn't get what I wanted. And we get an amazing throwback to number one, where the lead one gets shotgun blasted right to the fucking face. God, I was the only one in the theater. And, and mind you, next to me, a few uh, seats down were these two girls who had brought in pillows and blankets into the theater. Figure that one out. And I was the only one when she got shotgun blasted in the face. I started laughing and clapping. I was, it was silent in that you could have heard a pin drop, but I was just like, I, when I saw that, I'm like, fuck yes. I loved it. Yeah, when I saw that, I chuckled too. And actually, the audience I had was was kind of into it, which was kind of which was cool. The younger uh, crowd that I had, they were into it. They all kind of cheered. They're like, "Yeah!" When, when she got blasted in the face, and I'm like, "Dude, that's awesome!" Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, that was great. It was really good um, because I think for the most part. Uh, this film isn't as violent as the other ones because it's more plot heavy. So it doesn't dwell on the purge as much as the previous films. That's okay because you've got that, you know, they, they established how violent the world is. And while it might take a little bit away from like that tension of always danger around, they, they did opt more for, for a plot and a story in this one. Uh, but by this time, they've established enough of the world to where you realize how how deadly it is still out there without them having to show you constantly how deadly it is out there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move on from the actual purgers themselves. And let's talk about the new founding fathers, the government, the the quote unquote 
big bads of this film. And uh, we kind of alluded to it earlier how now, even though there's a presidential election, the government essentially is like a boardroom, like just a, a board of old white people that that are getting together and basically deciding what's going to happen in the country. And I thought that idea was good. I thought they really took these characters to an extreme and they had no, there was no iota of any other thing than them being ridiculous over the top characters you're supposed to hate. What did you think of the direction they took with those people? Well, at first, when we first introduced them, I, I really liked them because you had kind of the crazy board of, you know, that the head board member, if you will, uh, the, the guy who was, you know, is the representation of the president who is kind of the head of this board and the way he was talking to the other people at the table, those, those who were failing in that, you know, how he kind of ordered them around. I liked that bit. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then as they went on, they grew to be a little more crazy caricatures, uh, you know, and all you really need to know is that they were just nuts. <laughs> they were, they were basically nuts and, and uh, they were going to force, they, they were forcing their beliefs onto this country, which yes, you can totally see them, uh, taking a jab at political party with, with the portrayal of the new founding fathers as being, you know, the ones actually running things and being decided by the old white folks, uh, you know, and so, yeah, they were caricatures. I would have liked to see a little more roundedness or maybe have one or two, uh, maybe younger old white folks uh, kind of question, you know, what was going on. But in all honesty, they, they were, they were just there to, to be the baddie and you were supposed to hate them and you, you knew they were batshit crazy. And that's about all they, they wanted you to know about them. Uh, would I have liked to see them a little more well-rounded? Yeah. But you know, it didn't, it didn't take me out of the film, but yeah, they did definitely uh, of the characters. They really were just kind of there to be the crazy bad guys. Yeah, they they were there to serve a purpose. You know, in, in the way it's set up though, we really, they want you most in this film to care about even more so than the Senator and Frank Grillo's character. They want you to care about the three people from the cafe. Yeah. Big time. The, the movie is, well, people may think, Oh, because the Senator and Frank Grillo, you know, they're, they're ahead or whatever. No, no, it's actually about these three people who get caught up in something a lot bigger than what they expected to on purge night. Yeah. You know? But it also showed them how they kind of roll with it. You know, they're just like, okay, I, I don't like the situation we're in, but this is what we're in. So, all right, let's just do this. Yeah. Let's <laughs> go for it. I think one of the main downfalls other than some of the characters being a little wonky was that unfortunately in this film compared to the last two, I didn't feel anything was at stake mm -hmm. at any point in this film. The tension that was present in the other ones wasn't really there. I didn't feel like these characters were really in any threatening situation at any point um, because they just went from one thing to the next and they always got through it. 
<laughs> so it, it really like they got rid of uh, the tension aspect of this film in in decided to bring in a more action kind of like roller coaster type deal. And they focused more on the overall plot and idea than they did trying to create this kind of, you know, pot boiler type film that the last two films were. And unfortunately for me, that made some of the stuff fall flat and it just wasn't as exciting of a film. Did you think this was as tense as the other ones? I think it's a different film. And I think that's how I took it. Uh, Not as intense as the first one, uh, but this film, each film is, and that's what I really love about this series is the fact that each one of these films is different in its own way, which, which I enjoy because you could get a film like this. That's a rinse, wash, repeat, but they aren't They're They're all very different with a different purpose in this one. Yeah. This one though, isn't, this one isn't meant, I don't think, the first two felt more like direct horror with action work. Yeah, big it. time, big time. As you mentioned earlier, this is more action with horror worked into it. Uh, not, not saying that's, that's bad, but it is definitely totally and, and uh, just approached differently. So yeah, it is a little more action hero-like. Uh, and so if you're looking for something more intense, like the first one or, or more on the edge of your seat, horror type uh you you don't quite get this because there is more of a diehard factor to our characters yeah um in this one but again that i don't think the the first two were more to to disturb you and and scare you in this one that wasn't the intention this time around It, it was it was definitely to tell this more meaty plot you know yeah and, and yeah, it, it does mean that some of the elements that many enjoy in the first two is are going to kind of fall flat. Uh, I enjoyed them. I thought it was exciting. But, you know, then again, I think I went into this film, in all honesty, with very little expectation. I was, <laughs> I was excited about it, but I just wanted to see what they would do because the first two were so different from each other that I'm just like, I'm going to go in and, and I don't think it's going to be a, a horror type, especially from the way the trailer was, but just to see, you know, what are they going to do next and where do they take this story? And so for me, it was missing. It was noticeably missing, but it didn't take me out of the story. Uh, but it, it is definitely not as intense. And that threat, constant threat is not there that you had in the first two. Right. Even though they are under threat the entire film, it just didn't feel like there was anything at stake because it always felt like they got through easily every single situation. Now let's go ahead and move on to the way the film ends and what I feel should be the proper ending of this series where um, obviously they, they get through everything. They, they save uh, the, after they go in this big, huge ambush at uh, this church where the founding fathers are there to purge and, and kill Senator Rowan, but uh, everybody comes in and saves the day and she wins the election by a landslide and uh, her, she vows to eliminate the purge. So the ending's like, ah, we've resolved this situation. The people won. It, It felt great. And then the very last thing we see is American flag with, we hear a newscast 
where the people that liked the purge start an uprising because she won. And I thought it was a very interesting idea that the, the people won, the purge is gone, but the, the very militant people that liked doing this decided to take to the streets anyway and create their own purge because they had guns to be able to do so. Now, could you get any more on the nose with the way our society is right now that if somebody were to take something away from them that they they so dearly held on to that they would take to the streets and decide to take things into their own hands? Oh, yeah. I it, I loved that jab, uh, you know, that, that added extra bit because I'm like, okay, here we go with a bit more Hollywood ending. Haha, and then you just get that little news report and you're just like, oh, which which is also funny because I'm like, they end this now to where it's just these three. If it's just these three films, you've got a complete story. Absolutely. But by putting that extra element in there, you easily could do a spinoff movie if you wanted to. They um, shouldn't, though. They shouldn't, they shouldn't though, because, no, no. because there's no longer a purge. So what's the point? Right. Of making a purge film. That is a good message at the end. The whole point is even when given this opportunity to be able to do this and the people decide they don't want it anymore, it didn't change anything. Right. It did right. the purge did nothing. It didn't change anything because people are still angry. They still have their guns. They're still going to go out and do bad things. Mm-hmm. So it's just like Yes. So you people want to purge, but guess what? Even if we gave it to you, you still are going to be angry fucks and you're still going to kill people because you feel it's in your God given right to do so. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it showed. Yeah. I, lo- I love how it showed that that 20 years that the founding fathers, whether or not they legitimately believed it or not, that their extreme vision of what the country needed to fix itself really served no purpose whatsoever. No, it didn't. It didn't matter. It was very self-serving. And that's kind of the point of the film is that the government will give you things and make you feel like you're given a choice to do something, but really they have you under control Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if you have it or not, because you're going to (laughs) do whatever they want you to do and they'll get their way in the end in some way. Yep. And yeah, it was it was a good way to end it like that, showing that, uh, yeah, really the 20 years they went through. No, it just you, you, people are, are batshit crazy and the batshit crazy people out there are still going to do it, regardless of whether or not you make it legal or not. Yeah. Yep. And now the way this went, this film went. I'm going to go back to our last episode, Mark. They should have killed off Frank Grillo in the in the second film. <laughs> I agree. I agree. He did not need to be the head of security in here. They could have had anyone. I, I liked seeing Frank Grillo again, but the way his character was, it really could have been any security force guy or a new security force guy. It, it they still could have gotten away with our uh, uh, perceived ending that we came up with in the last episode with him actually. Uh, getting killed at the end just at the end of the purge yeah and it wouldn't take anything away from this film you you 
they hint at his history with the kid and that, you know, he, he almost purged, but they don't really touch on that anymore. It's superficial at best. It, it, it is superficial at best. So, you know, while I, I loved seeing him back, cause I, I like him as an actor. I, I think, uh, you know, he's been in some really interesting roles uh, in this one. They really whittled his character down to where it could have been anybody yeah um and yeah it would have served better the second film had he died so <laughs> well like i said let's do a fan edit and we'll have the proper but it won't make the third film won't make any sense anymore maybe we have to cut him out totally or maybe maybe we'll uh superimpose some other rando dude's face uh on top of them like the way they made uh the girls in uh the cougar cult movies turn into cougars or they just put like a a, a cut out uh face on top of him the entire time <laughs> so maybe that's what we do um i like him as an actor the character just in this movie it, it was pointless there yeah. was no reason they needed him in here and unfortunately they gave him nothing more than I'm the guy who's got to be stern and has got to protect this, uh, this Senator and shoot people. That's like mm -hmm. literally all he did the entire movie. So it's unfortunate, but in the end of the day, I dug it. I dug it. I think it was a very satisfying way to end this series. It was a lot better than what I expected a third film to be. I never actually thought this film would go three films. Uh, and I, but I'm happy it did. Cause I like, the the overall arcing story that's in here and this world they built and the thought that showed up of what they had come up with in this film to where it was more than just the shtick of oh hey murder is legal for 12 hours you, you know I, I mean on the surface you're looking to go oh well but then you find you, you look at all these films all three of these and yeah it, this one was more heavy-handed but it was leading up to it you could see the pieces being put in place through the first two that saying, yeah, this is the natural progression of this story. And you could see it getting heavier handed in its message here. Plus with our current political climate, it's, I I've always said this, I love and adore horror films that take regular hot topic, current issues and, you know, face them or uh, uh, confront them in a horror movie world or a horror movie context. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. love when horror movies do that because I think they should. You, well, you know. somebody's got to talk about things and somebody's got to lampoon them in a way that takes these ideas and blows them up to the most comical level of what if we actually did this and what would these ideas that are surrounding and clouding our heads right now what would they what would they be like if they were actually enacted and people were actually able to do these things mm -hmm. and what would happen to try and explore that and kind of let you the audience um think about the repercussions of these ideas mm -hmm. oh exactly i mean you know you look a lot of people pick on some of those early exploitation and horror films and actually uh, we had this recently I was, uh, if you don't mind me uh, mentioning it, that I was a guest on uh, the podcast of uh, horror uh, that's through Galactic Netcast. And uh, I, we, they asked me to bring a movie and I brought the stuff. And on the surface, the one guy had never seen it and whatnot. And the other guy had seen it a while ago. And me and the other guy start talking about how there's these underlying messages 
of consumerism yep. and and you know corporate takeover and control in that and the guy was like the the, the guy who had never seen it before he's like wow he's like i thought it was just about killer whipped cream but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and so i like when when horror films and, and and exploitation films you know people don't realize some of these films are addressing common modern day hot topics in the culture and they're putting it through a horror display like you said blown up and parodying as an exploration but what's really scary is if you look at this we are only three beats away from something similar to what's portrayed the purge which i think is the most disturbing out of all three films yeah yeah i i I really think that's what works about the series so i'm i'm super glad that these films were made and I think this needs to be the end, but it won't be because every time I say that they prove me wrong and they make another one. So they'll, they'll figure out a way to bring it back. But if, if my screenings of any indication, <laughs> this film is not going to do well. Well, what ended up happening was they took a very high concept, small film. And I saw an article recently on this where they said, actually it was a brilliant move where they, it was a high concept, but the film actually ended up just being your, basic home invasion film a good one but still nonetheless and so that left people wanting more so when they came out with the anarchy uh because the first one made hand over fist money compared to what budget it was shot on it was shot oh, yeah. like seven hundred thousand, and it made like you know however mil- millions <laughs> um so they had the bigger budget to go to anarchy and do it that way so they left the people wanting more you know and i agree i think it's it serves well as a trilogy it works as a trilogy uh, I, I don't think this film will make enough for them to justify uh, uh, making a fourth one. If they do, I highly doubt the original writers or the original director will be involved at all. No, it'll if be they, like a Netflix direct to, you know, streaming type deal. It'll be a VOD or direct to video type of thing. It'll be kind of a spinoff type movie, if nothing else. Uh, but I highly doubt, I don't see the director and writers coming back for a fourth film because this felt like them putting the book end in the series going, here's our message. Thank you. Good night. You know? Yeah. <laughs> is perfect. Great stuff. Well, folks, we'll be back after this short break and we're going to give you our picks of the week. Yeah. 
so now, Mark, we are done purging. Cross our fingers, hopefully. I shouldn't say that because we keep telling you guys we're going to have to do another fucking witchcraft episode. <laughs> so because I say this, you know they'll make another one of these goddamn things. But we're on to the, the section of the show when I have these uh, more... Uh, focused like one movie shows i we you can't go on i don't like going on more than at most 45 minutes mm-hmm. or 50 minutes in into a film without you know getting too nitpicky into it um i like to do this section called picks of the week where we bring on uh something that we had uh jammed on this week uh to let you guys know hey maybe you should check this out so mark what did you decide to bring in for picks of the week well, my pick of the week is actually another movie. It's a wide release one, and it was one that surprised me. Uh, it's actually The Shallows. So uh, that was it was pretty decent. It was actually decent for most of the film, and it surprised me that it. I, I was actually getting into it because, you know, what what it was. It, it is is a basic concept movie of of this woman who's out on the beach. She ends up getting left alone. And a great white shark happens into the shallows because she's a surfer and she's stuck out basically on this rock for a good chunk of the film. She's hurt and uh, she's got this great white shark kind of circling around her. Did she get hurt from surfing or did the the shark bite her and she got hurt? No, she got hurt from the shark. Oh, okay. She's hurt, but uh, I know nothing about this film. I've literally tried to keep completely (laughs) oblivious to it. Uh, yeah, so she's a surfer, and and there's some great cinematography first off in it, which surprised. I'm like, wow! I mean, they really captured this location that they shot is just gorgeous, and and they made the most of of shooting it there. And then Blake Lively is the girl, and, and it's pretty much a one woman show. Uh, you know, for most of the film, it doesn't overstay its welcome. And I will say for. 90% of this film, I got into it. Uh, it. It was a nice little more modern take on this type of story. I liked the peril that she was in, uh, the portrayal, what, you know, how we learn about her character as it goes on, obviously. Uh, some of the stuff that she's faced, you know, a little bit of su- suspension of disbelief, but not too much, much where you're just kind of rolling your eyes. It wasn't until like the last five minutes of the the, the final act that that got me to groan uh but up at, by that point you get into that film you're you're okay you kind of can forgive it because the rest of the film uh was was tense and you could get into it so by the end of the film you're like okay that's not how i would have ended it <laughs> <laughs> there's know? too many movies that are like that you know it that would was kind of a, a bit oh, hokey for last of the better term but it didn't take me out of the rest of the movie i still really enjoyed it more than i thought i would i went into it going okay here we go and i actually got into it and it was the way it was directed and handled and the story and everything how they came up with things i i really liked it so it, it surprised me so if you're looking for something that doesn't have a huge amount of gore does have some tense scenes in it and a probably one of the better performances from blake lively uh, I actually have to recommend The Shallows because uh, it was decent. It wasn't just a horror film on jump scares, you know, and up until the third act, uh, things were really great. And then they kind of get a bit ridiculous. But in today's day and age with shark movies, uh, I've seen a lot more ridiculous than that. What more can you really do with shark movies yeah, at this it, point? 
you, you know, you, you can't really. So things get a little bit uh, where people might sigh or roll their eyes a little bit. But uh, again, by that point, you don't mind. I think the film is like only a hundred minutes long or something. So I mean, it's not a long movie either where it could have been. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it's good for at least an early show price. I would say a $7 or whatever the early matinee show price is. It's good for that at least. Um, and it should be seen on screen just because of the cinematography while they're surfing in that during uh, the first opening parts of the movie. Cool, cool, cool. I've heard nothing but good things about it. And I honestly, I'm really shocked that a shark movie got a wide release anymore in this day and age. I, I really, truly am. Uh, mostly because I just thought that from what I saw and I didn't really see any trailers for I saw fleeting glimpses on TV or something like that. It looked like open water to me. And that movie just does does nothing for me. God, that movie sucked. Oh, I hated that movie. I, I did not actually see that movie because I was just like, I kind of avoided it. This one, it, it's my my movie pass. I go to movies because the more movies I go, the cheaper they are per movie. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll go see it because I had heard good things too, actually. And it surprised me as well. In this day and age, a shark movie got wide release. Uh, but I was surprised. It, it, the cinematography, I would say, the direction and Blake Lively's performance especially will keep people interested and they do give a decent uh, idea of a constant threat, which, cool. you know, is showing how deadly. I said it in my review, it kind of goes back to showing how deadly the ocean could actually be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? The ocean freaks me out, man. <laughs> and so uh, it's good to see because a lot of these movies, uh, you don't quite you know, they don't quite address some of the things that come up in here, like in something as simple as coral. Uh, you know, and that that's in here because coral is really nasty shit. <laughs> I mean, if, if you if you happen to injure yourself on it. So, you know, they, they come up with and talk and address things like that. And I, I like that. And I guess I recommend it because it is out of the shark movies because there's so many now. It's a decent one, even cool. with the, the hokey third act. Cool, cool. Well, you know, some movies, hokey third acts can derail them and others, you know, eh, well, I'm at this point. I enjoyed enough of it. I'm just going to go with it. And that's what it is. It's like you by that point, you you kind of want it to happen because, you know, it's going to resolve soon. You you don't want to see. <laughs> I'm I'm already 80 minutes into this fucker. I might as well just roll with it. Yeah, I'm exactly. stuck. Exactly because you you can see where it's going, and you're just hoping that, uh, you know, because they do it just the right of amount of time. I think if it was any longer, and they dragged it out any more, I think it would really lose steam quick. But yeah. It, it doesn't. They it doesn't overstay its welcome. So they they handled it well, and it was a nice refresher from things like avalanche sharks and sand sharks and ghost shark and sharknado and, the, and three headed shark attack. Well, which is a sequel to two headed shark attack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ridiculous. Well, cool. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that was good. Um, my pick of the week. Again, is a controversial one. Shocker. <laughs> um, this week is an awesome week for cool horror movies, man. We have, we have, uh, you, you said The Shallows. We just watched Purge Anarchy. Swiss Army Man is out this week. 
Um, but the movie, uh, the other movie that I want to talk about, that's my pick of the week. I got to see, thankfully, here in Sheboygan is uh, Nicholas Winden Ruffin's uh, The Neon Demon. Oh, I am so I am so jelly. I am so jelly. Oh. Dude, it, I was shocked that it was here. And Amanda and I went. And of course, I, I don't know what it is about me in theaters. I just have weird experiences when I go to the movies, like every single time. Now, we get there and it was on, I want to say Wednesday night we went and saw this thing. And where we live, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, is a small community. Maybe like 50,000 people live here. And the theaters are really small. I mean, at most, maybe they seat 150 in some of these theaters, they're pretty small theaters. And this one, again, like the green room, if you had listened to that episode, my story about we, this theater was in the very ass end of this theater, this movie. And it literally, it, the very tiny theater. It was Amanda and I, and one other dude, some old dude <laughs> that was sitting a few seats in front of us. Now, the Neon Demon is, is a very simple film. And if you had seen his last few films, especially Only God Forgives, this movie is a complete, like, uh, it is this, uh, the same tone and same style as Only God Forgives. It's just an extension of that film set in a different universe. Um, the movie is essentially about uh, a supermodel that is young, uh, leaves her small town, decides to go to um, Hollywood to pursue her dream. And then, of course, she runs into the people that, that want to do her harm because she's so beautiful. I mean, that's essentially what this movie is about. I'm not going to try and ruin any of the things because in the third act, it gets kind of ghoulish and some ghoulish things happen. But um, I think at this point in the game, if you've seen Refn's other films, you kind of have an idea of what you're getting into. Um, it's an insanely beautiful film. The visuals are just spot on. There, his influence of um, Italian art films and just art films in general is showing through more and more each subsequent film that he does. And um, the soundtrack um, done by Cliff Martinez who has done nothing but great soundtracks. He's done one of my other favorite soundtracks, um, the, the remake of Solaris. Mm -hmm. um, he did that one, and I love that soundtrack as well. And he did this one, which is a mixture of, uh, like, techno house music, but also with, like, Tenebrae-era Claudio Simonetti mixed in. So it, it the soundtrack is engrossing. It's creepy, um, but it's it, it just like hypnotic. The entire experience is super hypnotic. And this, if you have the chance, I don't think it's going to be at the theaters very long because it was not received very well at all. Um, this film is a movie you need to see in a theater um, because the theater we saw it in, the fucking sound was cranked, just cranked. And the music just shook the place. And with uh, mixed with the visuals, it was just like it was hypnotic and drew you. In. It was engrossing. It was what I would consider a total theater experience. And I I loved the film. A lot of people shit on it. They think it's a shallow, superficial film. You know what? Sometimes we just need experiences. 
And this is more of a mood piece than it is anything else. And I loved it. I thought visually it was just insane to look at. And it was, I really enjoyed it. But the weird thing I alluded to before that happened in the theater was about, it's almost a two hour long movie. And at one point when things start to escalate in the movie, all of a sudden this old dude comes into the theater. This other old dude comes into the theater, sits in the back and sits there and things are starting to get kind of sexual and creepy in the movie. And I look at Amanda like, well, who the fuck is this creep? And he sits down on the other end, literally sits in for all of <laughs> the grody sexual scenes in the film. And then as soon as they're done leaves. <laughs> so this guy must have either seen this film before or been like, wasn't another movie like say, Oh, he was, he was checking out uh secret lives of pets and said, Oh man, this is the, this is the point in the film where lesbian shit happens. I better go in there real quick <laughs> and come in and check out the fucking uh, sexy stuff. And then hi, Dale, get the fuck out of there. How fucking <laughs> weird is that? He's, a, he's the same guy who went to see black Swan only for the part where the two girls make out there you go oh jesus it was exactly that mark it was fucking i literally looked at a man i go fucking creep look at this dude and she just looked just laughing at me but it was just like oh i never seen anything like that before i felt like i was in a goddamn grindhouse where a dude came in to pound one out and then leave it was it was fucking hilarious but it, it Honestly, I loved it. Neon Demon. If you're into, if you were into Only God Forgives, you'll dig this one. I loved it. In the soundtrack, pick it up, man. Or just go and try and listen to it online. It's hot. It's really good stuff. So go check out the Neon Demon. Really dug it. So there we go, folks. Another episode of Astro Radio Z. Mark the Movie Man, why don't you let the listeners know where they can find you? Well, your one-stop shop for all your movie man needs is specialmarkproductions.com. I've got links there to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash specialmarkprod. Uh, I'm on the Twitters, at moviemaniac3d. Uh, but if you go to that website, there's pretty much links to all the stuff I work on, including the Spoiler Room podcast. Uh, there's an archive there as well as our current one. We just finished talking about uh, Independence Day resurgence, and it was actually a fun conversation uh, about that that film that's uh, uh, kind of got the internet uh, divided again. Yeah, that's uh, to say so. the least. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, just as a, a side note, uh, I don't let the internet get into your brain. I did that for a little while and it's not a not a happy place. So, uh, especially with superhero films. Uh, but yeah, it, that's specialmarkproductions.com is usually where I direct everyone because you can go from there and find lots of stuff, including a link to Astro Radio Z's website and some other folks. Thanks, Mark. Well, guess what, listeners? It's been a year. Guess what? Next episode, you're going, your wildest dreams are going to come true. We're bringing back the horror porn parodies. You 
You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, YouTube, and anywhere that podcasts are found. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. Coming from me, Derek Carey, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.